Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. I sort of joke that one of the lesson or warning signs of burnout is when you have to wear your speedos for undies. Hey everyone and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name's Emma and I'm a radio journalist and I've teamed up with my sister to give you advice, inspiration and support when you're looking for a new job. Sarah's a HR and recruitment professional and together we're excited to give you guys all the tips, tricks and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Hey Em and welcome back everyone. This week's Shoot Your Shot shout out goes to Prerna. She sent us a message saying she loves the podcast so much. She thinks that we're really funny. So thank you very much for understanding (laughs) all of our weird uh, SpongeBob jokes. And she's currently job searching and trying to switch roles with some transferable skills. So shout out to you, Prerna. I hope it's going really, really well for you. To quote her, what an absolute legend. Just wanted to say you guys are a hoot. (laughs) <laughs> that is, I'm putting that on my resume. I am a hoot. L- listeners think that I'm a hoot. That just m- makes my heart so happy. I think the humour compliment, you can take that one, Em. I yeah. think you're the funny one of, out of the yeah. two of us. My back hurts from carrying the humour on this show. <laughs> I know my strengths. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your lane. So if you liked one of our episodes, used a tip we sent you, or you want to request an episode specifically on your situation or industry, slide into our DMs on Instagram. And if you have an interview coming up, check out my one-on-one sessions. You can find out all about them at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash coaching. Cool. So this week we have a very special guest joining us, Sean Hall, who is the CEO and founder of EnergyX, a company that aims to help everyone have the energy they need to discover and achieve their purpose. Sean has experienced some severe burnout twice in his career, so you could say he's a bit of an expert. He's even featured on a TED Talk. How cool is that? And he's on a mission to prevent burnout happening to other people. We're so excited to have him on the pod today to share some insights about burnout in the workplace. Welcome, Sean. Yeah, well, So great to hear you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Sean, we heard a little bit in the intro there, Emma mentioned that you've experienced burnout yourself. Can you run us through your background and your kind of personal experience with burnout? I was probably living my dream job, actually, at the time. I'm a marketer by trade. I say that this is my fifth career, but one of them has been marketing. <laughs> and I was head of brand strategy and marketing for Telstra. So I was responsible for a, a massive transformation program. Those of you that might be a little bit older, we're going back a few years now, but 
uh, when Telstra went from the blue and orange that they were to all the colors that you sort of know them for today, that was my responsibility. So it was impacting about 16 million customers, about 80,000 employees and staff. You know, it was such an amazing moment in my career. You think about that, like there's not many jobs as a marketer that Mm. you have the opportunity to impact that many people. I think actually one of the lesser known stories that often accompanies burnout is sometimes you could just love your job too much. And so I was a bit of a perfectionist as well. I was a yes guy, didn't know how to ask for help. Mm, I'm a yes person. It's not good. (laughs) People pleasers, right? So we should be aware of that. I guess where the tipping point was, one day I found myself in the fancy men's accessories part of David Jones that's in in the Sydney CBD. And that was a bit unusual for me for a couple of reasons. And the first was that I don't buy $1,000 man bags or or $250 pocket squares. As you guys can see, I don't even like to wear sleeves. That was a weird reason for me to be there. And the second reason was actually I had no idea how I got there that day. If another customer had seen me, they would have thought I looked a bit dazed and confused. I was like Mm. physically shaking. My mind was racing, heart was racing. I guess this was really the tipping point for me. You know, I'd be pushing myself too hard. I sort of joke that one of the lesser known warning signs of burn is when you have to wear your speedos for undies (laughs) oh no (laughs) because you haven't done laundry yeah (laughs) you haven't done laundry no time for that you know so you know things are really bad when that Mm. happens it was just I guess that moment for myself where I went okay I need to start to do some things differently I was doing crazy things you know I was leaving work at 2am I'd be back at 6 just because this project was so massive if you can imagine that literally every single place that there was a Telstra logo I had to have my hands on that I'm stressed just hearing about this like (laughs) no thanks no thanks but then it was really extraordinary as well like I still Mm, get goosebumps talking about it right like I did stuff like you know redid the stores we had we did helicopters every single van yeah. that was on the streets as well as all the communications there was just such so many amazing things that we did over that time and super proud of my team that sort of supported me as well but I just wasn't giving myself enough space to really recover and I think when I realized what had happened I felt a lot of fear to be honest about it because I was in this massive job I mean I was running a nine billion dollar brand And so I didn't feel like I could just walk into my boss's office and just say, hey, just been wandering around David Jones. Yeah. (laughs) Don't don't worry about it. Hey, in the middle Um, of this project, I might just need a few personal days. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There was just too much at risk. And so I went through that whole experience quite alone. However, I did realize I needed to change some things. I was really looking for resources at the time too to help me. And what I found was when I looked for things really, I guess, around mental health, especially with men, And even today, still, really, when I think about it, everything focuses on the extremes around depression, Mm. anxiety, suicide, addiction. And I didn't have any of those things. I was probably a gold star candidate if I didn't do something about it. Mm. And I'd experienced depression in my 20s. So I knew what it felt and it didn't feel that way. And so I've come to call what happened to me an energy Mm. crisis simply because I was so depleted, batteries run out, no gas in the tank. Mm. And I found that language is really useful for people as well because mental health conversations often carry a lot of shame and stigma with them. Even when you mentioned my TED talk before, I talk about that as my second coming out. Right, because <laughs> it was like really scary to get up there on that stage and share what I'd been through. It, actually, way more scary than coming out about my sexuality. To be mm. honest, I felt like I had way much more to lose 
at that point. What I've come to know from now, like working with well over 10,000 people around burnout is that conversations about energy are not scary for people. Mm. They're familiar, they're intuitive, they're inherently positive. You know, I talk about energy vampires are the cause of burnout. Yeah. <laughs> and you talk about energy vampires and people instantly start smiling. Yeah. You talk about depression or mental health and you don't get smiles. Yeah, yeah. isn't that you know? funny? Just that shift in language, same concepts and same topics, but just how much that makes people more likely to open up. It totally does. And I think that's what originally when I was thinking about this is how do I communicate to more people like me at the time? But the more that I've done this, the more I've realized how many of us are experiencing these symptoms or energy vampires uh, that ultimately can leave us vulnerable to burnout. The second conversation that doesn't often happen in burnout is that everyone's experience is very unique. And so we've seen this too in our data. We look for 13 different energy vampires, essentially. And you might have a completely different combination of those from the person next to you. And you could have different ones at different intensities. Yeah. And it's the same with mental health as well. It's not binary. You're not either mentally healthy or you're not, right? We're all on the spectrum. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think that this is where we need to change the conversations to actually humanize things uh, and not have this sort of binary approach to things. And I think, as you said, like this is where language is so important to make things feel accessible and not scary to people, especially when we want to prevent people getting into more serious uh, issues. Yeah, you don't want to wait to get help until it's a diagnosis and you need crisis yeah. support. Yeah, you don't want to wait till you have your David Jones moment. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> and to rewind, before the David Jones moment, what can people look out for? How can you tell if you're headed to the burnout David Jones moment? Yeah, and I feel like I can relate to some of these feelings and there's been times where you read about stuff about burnout and you think, oh, is this me or am I just being a bit dramatic at the moment? Like what are the is signs? Is it a or is it burnout? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what? how can we tell? Even when you're asking yourself those questions <laughs> to start with, you're probably... Mm, so right, true. On, on <laughs> the answer is yes. On your way. <laughs> so that part of being aware is so important, right? And that's first of all... Because the irony for me in all of this too was the fact that actually my first career was in the fitness industry. Mm. Uh, so I spent like 16 years jumping around in Lycra all over the world. <laughs> if you're old enough to know what a DVD is, I'm on five yep. DVDs with Michelle Bridges. Oh, oh cool. what a flex. That's so funny. <laughs> and so I knew a lot about the physical aspects of well-being, but I didn't know how these other decisions that I was making were impacting me or depleting me, mm. essentially. And the other thing I realized too was that, I guess coming back to the idea of loving my job, right? I mm. knew that I couldn't change Telstra. It was a, a beast of a company, right? 80,000 <laughs> people at the time. And so I had to change me. I had to take responsibility. And that's really at the core of, of my approach is that we're responsible for our lives. Mm. And so we need to be aware of those decisions that we're making that either energize us or deplete us. And rather than focusing on a short-term fix, like say taking some time off, going on a holiday, sounds very luxurious. How do we actually turn burnout around, the small little changes? I guess one of the best ways for me to illustrate this is to take you through some examples of the energy vampires mm. and then what you do to slay them, right? Yeah, That's what I want to say, right? We want to teach everyone to become an energy vampire slayer. Channel your Buffy. I said there's a special type of energy vampire say you want to reach is an energist, which is why, why I wear this T-shirt. And an energist is a person that expands their energy and then the energy of others. 
humans, we all want to be energists. We inherently want that. We want to be given the good vibes to the people that we care about the most. The biggest energy vampire that we see most people experiencing is sleep deprivation. Mm. And, and it's one of those common things where it's a really a heavy hitter and we've never really been taught how to sleep well. So an energy vampire is sleep deprivation. If you're going to make energist decisions, it's basically about little micro skills that help you sleep better. Mm. So for instance, the sleep science says the number one thing, literally the number one thing that you can do to improve the quality and quantity of sleep that you have. Let me guess, no electronics before bed. Is that it? <laughs> Close, oh. right? It's definitely in. It's definitely in the top five. Just go to bed at the same time. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have expected that we to be the top there. tip. There I'm you go. so bad at that because it's different during the week than it is on the weekends. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. And mm. um, when I'm teaching someone, I'm just like, if you can do it like sixty or seventy percent of the time, you're probably yeah. going to do pretty well, right? And this is one of the things that we're. I think we've got this dominant narrative that we need to be perfect. You know, we need to be happy all the time. You know, that's just not human. Yeah. The number one thing is is regularity. And there's sometimes it's just some really simple ways to think about looking after ourselves. And the first is that we're just designed to be in rhythm. Mm. Humans are designed to be in rhythm, whether it's our heartbeat, our breath, our circadian rhythm, like we're talking about with sleep. You might have daily rhythms. You will have fluctuations in your rhythms during the day when you'll have more energy versus less. Like, and that's just normal as well. You're not going to be the same level of energy yeah. the whole day. It's just not human to be that way. You're going to have monthly rhythms. Obviously, mm. women are going to have monthly rhythms around those things as well. If you can just get into those rhythms, rhythms create momentum. A nighttime rhythm, like you're talking about, Emma, chop your device off your hand. <laughs> yeah. These are really important things for us to establish. And I think that right now we've got a really great opportunity. You know, rhythms are just being disrupted again as we sort of try and navigate these new ways back, new freedoms, new restrictions, all that sort of mm. stuff. And so now's a really good time to think about what rhythms have I created over the last 18 months to two years that don't support me in the long term? Yeah. Uh, because we've all created new rhythms over this time. And some of them we've done without thinking at all. Very, very common one that I hear from clients is suddenly I've got two extra meetings where my commute was. Yeah. Or suddenly every single meeting is a Zoom call. You know, it's like we're not designed to be on Zoom all day. Mm. Yeah. That's not that's not normal for us. And so we need to think about, okay, which rhythms have I established? Are they actually energizing me or depleting me? And therefore, what rhythms will I create going forward? So how can I actually think and consciously move into sort of this next phase of, of whatever work life looks like for you? And what are the right rhythms to keep you well? Yeah, awesome. And what are some other energy vampires? Another one which is really relevant to a lot of people is our inner critic. We will say stuff to ourselves that we would never say to anyone else. So yeah, true. I hate it. it. Yeah. Sometimes my and brain's so... not a nice place to be. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> we're friends. Let's be nice. <laughs> yeah, we have to occupy the same space. Yeah, <laughs> we've got the rest of our lives together, bestie. Let's work it out. <laughs> You've just nailed that, right? It's, this is the longest relationship you're yeah, going to have. Yeah, it is. We're stuck together. So you may as well invest in it. And a lot of us don't really invest in our relationship with ourselves. There's really some important things to think about there in terms of strategies that you can use. And I say, how can I so be my own critic? How might I be my own cheerleader? Critic is energy vampire. Cheerleader is energist. So what do I need to actually learn how to be my own cheerleader? Actually, self-acceptance, self-compassion is the starting point and one of the most highly correlated behaviors linked to happiness. I personally have a little bit of a bugbear on words like resilience. If there's anything we've all proven, we are resilient over these last two years. So I'm like, if anybody tries to tell me to go to resilience training, I'm going to click. 
Yeah, we don't need that. We're up to scratch. <laughs> I think I've yeah. literally been to resilience training in the last 12 oh, months. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Come on. Mm. Teams is really great. But this is where we need to be conscious of language, which is intrinsically judgmental in some yeah. way. You're not trying to tell people they're not resilient, but by saying resilience training, you sort of inherently are. Yeah, and it's with you. It's not with us. Yeah, it's you who needs to be resilient and deal with we're not yes. going to change anything. <laughs> Yes, right. And that's what I see too. Sometimes there's a bit of a shifting of responsibility onto the individual yeah. instead of the employer necessarily taking some of that responsibility for the environment, for the culture, for the support that they've been giving to people. Yeah, the boundaries and the expectations as well. Yeah. Yes. That's what I like to talk about being anti-burnout instead. So it's like, how can I learn these energetic skills that enable me to be anti-burnout in the first place so I can excel in times of change and uncertainty, you know, regardless of, of what's going on. But anti-critic is a big one for a lot of people. And so I often just sort of say to people, how do we do that? And so one of the tools that we use, we use a positive psychology approach, uh, which focuses on strengths instead mm-hmm. of weaknesses, essentially. So we have a really simple assessment that we use with people. It takes 10 minutes. Actually, there's a free version. So I can even give you a link to go with the podcast yeah, if you want. Will. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. And what the research shows as well is that when you're aware of and using your top five superpowers, I call them, mm. there's 24 of them in total. But when you're using your top five, the research shows you're three times more likely to save your high, high quality of life. You're more confident. You handle stress better. Mm. You're more creative. Like it's it's amazing how just focusing on what you are right and what you're good at actually can almost remove the stuff that's not there. And so I sort of say like, and these become your little cheerleaders. So often what's going on with your inner critic is it's fake news. It's all these things that you're not. And the inner critic thing was a big part of my second burnout where I was almost, well, I wasn't almost, I was rewarded for my first burnout. <laughs> and I think this happens a lot as well because I, you know, I worked my butt off. Mm. We, we got amazing result through that transformation. And so I got a whole bunch of extra responsibilities and I just felt like I was spitting my wheels, mm. right? And so I started to tell myself, you know, I wasn't successful when I got in my head a lot. And so I was saying, oh, you know, you're not creative. No one wants to listen to you. Like all these thoughts were going through my head. And I was lucky enough actually to be partnered with a psychotherapist as part of a, a leadership program I was doing at the time. And she literally, this woman changed my life. I realized why I was a bit of a perfectionist because I was always looking for external recognition mm-hmm. and things like that instead of looking for it in myself. And I think perfectionism is is often about external sources of self-esteem versus actually believing in yourself and I think this is something that we all need to learn we've never been taught it's kind of like you're looking for proof because if you don't have proof then how can you really believe it you know if I can point to this thing that I did or this someone that gave me a compliment then I know that it's real sure you guys have heard of Brené Brown yeah and she will talk about the difference between perfection and healthy striving what I realized when I look back on that situation was uh, those things I was telling myself weren't real you don't get to run a nine billion dollar brand if you're not a good communicator yeah. if you're not mm. creative if you don't have ideas the imposter syndrome <laughs> it gets you totally often what I say to people if you're experiencing your negative critic quite loud quite often I'll say just pause for a moment and especially if there's themes just write some of those down it's amazing how much less power they have once you've got them down on paper. Mm, And then you can just ask yourself two questions. Is this real? And there will be evidence that it's not, right? So like I have my big job. There's Mm. lots of people around me that appreciate me. And then if it is real, I ask myself, is it helpful? So you might like present something and you know that you didn't do your best job at getting or communicating the points, that type of thing. And you go, okay, yep, it's real. 
it is helpful because now I can go and do something mm. to fix that. This is really important for us to do that. And I think one of the other things that I've learned through studying some of the practices of mindfulness, for instance, is that often we associate or identify with those thoughts. So we'll say, I am not good enough. I am a bad communicator. I, you know, what we have to understand is we are not our thoughts. We are not our emotions. We're not our feelings, but we are our actions. Yeah. So one of the things that I'll do as well is I'll try to distance myself if I see those thoughts coming up. So I'll say, oh, I notice that I'm thinking or I notice that I'm feeling. And just by answering, I yeah. notice versus Changing I language. am. Takes away the power. It does. These are all because we've never been taught. It's just these little things that we can do to change up. And, and you said, build that relationship with yourself. Be your bestie. Be your best cheerleader. Mel Roberts is another awesome person to follow. And she's yeah. got this thing. She high fives herself every morning in the mirror. You know, that. like. It's just little things like that that just set you up for the day, right? And just really focus, but just don't give enough attention to our inner critic or to our relationship with ourselves. What other ones have we seen? Uh, so there's 13. Yeah. So I want to go through all of them. Yeah, sure. And people can find out more about them um, at EnergyX, right? Which we'll have all those links um, down below. If you're experiencing these energy vampires, so not sleeping enough in a critic, mm. you might have found your moods affected. You yeah. might be feeling like you don't have clarity in life or balance. I can tell you that so many people feel exactly the way that you do and that you are not alone in that experience. And I think that's one of the things that we often feel like we can't tell people because we think we don't want to burden other people. We feel like I'm the only one that's feeling it, but there are lots of people that are feeling the way that you do. Uh, and especially younger people like under 35s, I just did a cut of the, we've assessed about 2,600 people over the pandemic just mm -hmm. to look their well-being and so we found for instance that of the 13 energy vampires on average under 35s have got seven. Oh my god the, the pandemic the pandemic aged me 20 years seriously <laughs> never again there better be lucky a pandemic or a one in 100 year event because i'll be dead by the next one <laughs> cannot go through another one of those the stress <laughs> so i'm happy to share that that with people but mm. this is a key thing and one of the things that we do as well is in order for us to take more responsibility for our well-being first of all we need to be aware of these energy vampires yeah. because the ones that we're really familiar with are things like you know not getting not eating well not mm. sleeping enough not moving but we don't think about the ones like inner critic. And, and one of the worst things that I see people do to themselves for inner critic is compare themselves yeah. to others or to a version of themselves pre-pandemic. First of all, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. So just don't do it. The only other person you should compare yourself is you yesterday. Yeah. So I if you can that. do one more thing better for yourself than yesterday, then you're doing well. And can you tell us a bit about the four Fs? What are they? What I try to do is just help people say, this is where the science says you should start, right? And keep it really simple. And that's where the four Fs sort of came from. And so the first F is fuel. It just comes back to the fact that we're energized when we look after ourselves physically and we sleep well. Mm. The physical right? stuff. Yeah. Very simple. Fuel, right? The next one's fire. And fire is about knowing your strengths, so your superpowers, mm. and being able to apply them to something that's meaningful to you. So that's why I talk about your X factor, your purpose, right? So yeah. what is something that's meaningful to you? And I think the watch out that I have for people with meaning is that don't expect meaning to come in one part of your life. Don't expect your job to be everything. Mm. It's very important for our own health to have meaning come from different parts of our lives. And then the third F is feeling, which is about, uh, so we're energized, we have a great relationship with ourselves, mm. we're a cheerleader to ourselves. 
And that's the foundation and basis for having great, healthy, energizing relationships with others. Yeah. So we don't want to, you know, spend too much time with energy vampires and yeah. people either. And then the fourth F is focus. So we're energized when we create space for the stuff that energizes us while we remove or reframe the stuff that depletes us. That's literally like, I teach people how to manage their diary for focus. And I just say like, how much of your diary, if you look at your life as energizing? I say, anybody that's listening to this is, you deserve a life that's energizing. That's so nice. We all do. We do. Yeah, we do. My diary doesn't feel energizing, right? Yeah, it's just having a bit of (laughs) self-reflection there. Yeah, me too. Um, I got to this place... um, recently and so I actually spent last week taking a week off and I recommend everybody do that I think a lot of cancelled leave has happened over the past two years and we're not taking our breaks because you've got nowhere to go take your leave and I'm feeling so much better just after a week just so much more patient and calmer and just able to cope but is it possible to to go through this process of looking at your energy vampires and and trying to discover you know what energizes you and work out that you know what this job just isn't right for me and my strengths and what energizes me is that going is that likely to happen for people absolutely i think anytime we do a reflection we're going to question things uh and what i just say is just make sure you have all the information you need mm. And the reason I'm going to say that is because what we know, um, you might have heard like there's this sort of theme that's going on with a lot of um, business publications and things at the moment around this great resignation. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, it started in the US, there was about 4 million people, I think it's about 10 million people overall so far in the US have just, you know, resigned their jobs. And the number one reason that they're giving is burnout. Mm. So I'm very lucky in the clients that I work with, I work with places like Facebook and and Ampol, the Sydney Children's Hospital Foundation, like Mm. just amazing clients, right? They're very early adopters of this thinking. They, They care a lot about their people. And what I've found is that the grass is not greener. I'm going to say that to everybody that's listening. <laughs> the grass is not greener. And it's not greener for two reasons. One is we've never been through this before. Mm. To Emma's point, never want to go through it again. So everybody's feeling it. And we're all feeling it because we hadn't learned these skills that we needed to actually keep us charged. Getting some time off like you've taken, Sarah, is so important, mm. you know, as a way to reflect as well and just give your brain a break, right? And then the other thing is that if you don't have those skills, regardless of what employer you go to next, the same thing is going to happen again. Yeah. This is where I'm sort of saying to employers as well, like you've got a big opportunity now, flip it on its head, make it about the great retention, the great attraction, you know, focus on what people need right now, which is they need these skills to recover and recharge and any of these energy vampires that have been sucking the life out of them. Mm. And so those that is literally the best retention strategy. But it's also the most important thing for us to think about in terms of our careers is because this skill of actually being able to manage your own performance of being able to be really energized is going to make you very valuable as talent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The language I use for, you know, the jargony language I'll use for, for corporates is capacity, mm. right? And I'll say you can only achieve what you've got energy for. If you come into well, any part of your life and and say 80% of the time you've got enough energy for what's important to you, life is going to be really good. And that's going to mean that you turn up as the best version of yourself. You're going to think creatively. You're going to be able to regulate your emotions. You're going to be able to identify opportunities. You're going to be able to take in mm. things like this mm. is one of the big things about sleep too. Like if we're sleep deprived, we literally can't create new memories. <laughs> if you want to be really in demand talent, it's about capacity. So looking after yourself, taking full responsibility 
for those four Fs and making sure that you're an energist, you're an energy vampire slayer. And the person that can do that is able to go through those big projects and go deal with those high pressure moments and come out yep. the other side still with energy, still being able to continue because they've you know, kept their boundaries, they've taken breaks, they've looked after themselves versus the person who goes all in, they throw sleep out the window, they throw their nutrition out the window, they stop exercising, they've finished the project maybe even with more energy than the other person, um, but then they crash on the other side and then they've mm. got to have you know yeah. time off. They're the grumpy person around the office who doesn't want to take on any extra work. They've got no kind of mental capacity. And I've been that person before, It's I funny guarantee. how that happens though. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> when I'm super stressed, the first thing that goes for me is feeding myself, which is so stupid because that's the most important thing. But I'll just eat toast like for a week like the other day I hadn't been grocery shopping in like three weeks and I was like that's how you know things are bad that's my that's your thing. version of the speedos yeah it's it's not eating it's just like mine look, is, the, I don't is know. the laundry it's the fact yeah. that there's a pile of laundry on the bed that goes from the bed to the floor back to the bed back to the floor mm. <laughs> the f- floor drive yeah, yeah. yeah. Call it. it's clean but, but it's just on the floor <laughs> we want people to avoid the floor drobes and the not eating so and what do toast. you think to yeah not the toast to round us out what are some little practical real simple things someone could implement right now that could increase their energy first thing i'm going to make it really really easy just look back on your day and just say how many of the decisions did i make today that depleted me versus energized me mm. right, and just start to build your awareness first of all and this is where we go okay well you know, if I choose to not eat well, yeah. right, not move, uh, not get some fresh air, you know, those are choices that I'm making that deplete me. If I if I notice that I'm beating myself up a little bit more in my head, I'm choosing those things. And that's the first point. It's just being aware, right? So you don't have, again, don't put the pressure on yourself to be perfect. Start with just going one thing a day. How can I do one thing better, be more of an energist the next day? Mm. Or, or just choose one energy vampire that's the most so like so ever i said to you like just focus on get, eating enough vegetables yeah yeah, you know? yeah like just one thing and that will actually have a big impact on other things that you're doing the next is um i think sarah you might have said is like boundaries so well majority of people will say that balance is a problem for them and the only way to have balance is to have boundaries i start with three really so one is tech and email mm-hmm. so literally write down when you're going to put your phone away, when you're going to send your last email, open your first email, like literally have that and then communicate that to other people, encourage them to set those boundaries as well. The second one for a lot of us is around social media and news. I find this hard. Years. I mean, I'm a journalist, so my job at the moment <laughs> is literally to go and absorb the news cycle, but yeah. I've noticed lately I start full time in like a week or two and I've been having that conversation with myself. How am I going to set my boundaries that maybe I go home and, you know, 7 p.m. That's it until an hour before I start work. Because if regular people get um, exhausted from the news cycle, imagine how exhausted I'm going to get of the news cycle. Yeah, totally, totally. And so that's where instead of you like having it spread across your whole day, right? Like just choose parts of your day where you'll Mm. just focus on that one thing you know, and observing that. And actually, you'll probably do a better job when you do that too because you'll actually, because you're doing it all together, you'll be able to see all the themes, connections and stuff between versus if you're just doing it bit by bit throughout the day and you'll get more done at the end of the day too. But what I'd say, if you were to download, say, Insta or Facebook or whatever you're doing for the first time, think for yourself, like, what would be the criteria that I would choose around who deserves your attention? Mm. 
And this is the thing is your attention is very valuable. Your energy is very valuable. So give it away sparingly and go, and I'm, I'm only going to follow energists. Do they inspire you? Do they guide you in some way? Are they educational? Mm. Do they make you laugh? What is it? But set some criteria. And then once you set those criteria, anytime you're scrolling and once something pops up that doesn't fit with those criteria, block, unfollow, you know, whatever you need to do, but just start to filter things down a little bit, right? I think is really important. If you find that you're following people that make you feel bad about yourself, then, you know, that's still a choice you're making. Yeah. So you have to take responsibility for that. And then the same with news is like, um, just having it on all the time, like just choose parts of the day where you're going to do that. I found having uh, a, and then, a daily podcast to listen to, my favorite is The Briefing, mm. shout out to them, but there's heaps of other daily news podcasts. And I felt like I knew that at least once per day I was going to get all of the top level stories and I didn't have to worry that I was going to miss something because I was at least going to hear about it the next morning. Yeah, absolutely. And not feel behind. But I didn't have to then, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Quick, do all this reading. You're going to hear about it. That, that's the thing is there'll be, there's always going to be shortcuts. And the other thing mm. is that what the research shows is that 60% of your emails will come from the same small group of people. Yeah. Mm. These are things that you can, you, know, you don't have to do this by yourself too. So you might go to your, your squad, you know, whoever it is, and just say, hey, one of the things I reckon we can do to help all of us out is to set a boundary where we just say, actually, we're all just going to look at our email from between these times and these times. So we know that we're not going to miss each other. And then you just have a, you know, an 80-20 rule where 20% of the time if something's really urgent, then we do this. So boundaries are, are really, really important um, for people. And then just going back to that idea of rhythms, just go, what rhythms have I created? And so if you did those three things, just be aware of those decisions you're making, energizing mm -hmm. versus depleting, Set some boundaries, boundaries, create some rhythms. I guess if I give you one challenge for starting your day, try and start your day 15 minutes device free. Ooh. That's a big one. I yeah, that's a challenge. That, but I so should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? You're going to need to buy an alarm clock. Yeah. That's pretty cool, right? It's the difference between reactivity and proactivity. Because as soon as you open that phone, you can't control. You're just in reaction mode. You can't control what comes up. Whereas if you start your day in a proactive way, create that 15 minutes for self-care, set your tone for the day, you know, get some, get some wins already. Mm. You will get some wins already in that 15 minutes. You know, you'd be surprised how that just sort of flows on to the rest of the day as well. Awesome. Amazing. I think that wraps it up there. That's a perfect little take-home challenge. I love that. Thanks so much for joining us today. I think our listeners will find that so valuable. I know I yeah. got so much out of that. I particularly love the part about um, you don't have to be in a shitty, horrible job to experience burnout. Like I think that's the yeah. that's the picture painted. Like you're in some shitty office job and the, your boss makes you stay late. But you can be out here kicking goals and achieving your dreams and still get burnout. So don't stay complacent. Watch out for the little, what are they, zombies? Vamp vampires. 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 Watch out for them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks awesome. so much for joining us, John. Thank you, both of you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, hit that follow button in Apple or Spotify, or better yet, tell someone about the show and help them land their dream job. That's how we hit the charts and we can help even more people. For more advice, inspiration, and a supportive community, check us out on Instagram at interviewboss. If 
we've been your job search besties and helped you in some way, there's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming. <laughs>